a ratio marketing podcast. The buyer matrix is the cornerstone. We have to we have to dig in and get an idea of what the buyers are looking for, where they're coming from, what their problems are, so that we can not only speak to that, but we can kind of guide them towards solutions that will actually help instead of just you know, sometimes you get caught up in wanting to flaunt the features of a product because you're very proud that you created those features and they might be really helpful. But if you don't frame them in a pragmatic sense, then you're not going to get people to understand the value that they have for them. Have you ever wished you had a healthcare provider on speed dial? Someone you could call to validate your product market fit. Someone to listen and help you see your solution differently. Welcome to Healthcare Market Matrix, a podcast to help you see your market clearly. We dive deep into the challenges faced by healthcare organization leaders that technology has the chance to help them solve. It's all about gaining the kind of understanding you need to effectively connect with your market. Join us as we explore the Healthcare Market Matrix. All right. Well, welcome back to um, another episode from Ratio's Applied Theory Series. Uh, This is a video podcast providing practical insights and strategies tailored for SaaS sales and marketing teams. And through these conversations, we bridge the gap between marketing theories and real-world applications to hopefully equip you with the tools to thrive in today's extremely competitive landscape especially within the health tech sphere. And so today I am joined by our incredibly talented design and development director, Kyle Newman. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the show. Happy to be here. Awesome. So today I know we want to talk about how marketers and their teams can really build digital platforms designed for growth and really scale. So there's a lot to consider as health tech digital stories unfold, much of which relies on you know, flexibility and modification over time. But before we do that, Kyle, take a moment to share a bit about your background, what led you into the world of development and design and, and ultimately um, your career at Ratio. All right. So in the 20th century, the computer was developed. <laughs> and, uh... yeah, start way back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we we got a computer in my child household when I was maybe 10 years old, and I was just kind of fascinated by it. And so in addition to running around outside, I would come in and and just play around on the computer sometimes all night long, taught myself, you know, basic graphic design and web development back when it was still carried out in a text editor. Okay. And I've sort of been following that path ever since. That's amazing and also not surprising at all that you would start that that early on in your in your computer venturing. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I mean it was it was just like another world where different things were possible. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I love that. I love that. Um okay, so much of customer success relies heavily on adapting to changing landscapes of marketing. Um so talk to us a little bit about like how teams can ensure data-driven decisions are being made when introducing their brand digitally. And I think this could apply to like website and SaaS platform development, but talk to us about maybe just how you think about that when launching sites for our clients. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mixture of um, user experience best principles, which are certainly constantly evolving, but those are, those are anchored in human experience. 
So those stay a little more stable. And combining that with the foundational work of research that sometimes gets overlooked in the process of creating a brand or creating a website. So that foundational work is really important to discover who it is you're trying to target, who you want to be seeing and using your um, product, whether it's the, the brand impressions or the website, and really having a good understanding of who it is that you're making this for. Yeah, for sure. I think oftentimes I feel like I see, especially like in early stage companies, they, you know, get kind of the bones of their product together and they just immediately go to, okay, I'm going to go to a Squarespace site and just like, you know, launch this up, throw it up there, uh, without really like being intentional, like you said about more of like the market research component of that from a marketing perspective. It's one thing to do, um, you know, product research and market research in the realms of the experience and tool you're building in the space. But then to do that from a marketing perspective is a whole different ballgame. So I know like at Ratio, we talk a lot about, you know, building with experience in mind. And I think often when partnering with scaling teams who have hired their product team, their sales team and marketing team, shifting priorities in these silos can often cause experience disconnects, if you will, when it comes to developing a buyer journey from prospect to customer. So what are some of those sticky points? And I know we see it with our clients, but you know, what are some of those sticky points in the consumer experience that are considered when you're building web platforms that are designed for that type of growth? For sure. Yeah. You mentioned people working in an organization that are kind of siloed in their place. Yeah. And you always feel like the thing that you are most connected with is the most important. It can be really hard. I think it can be really hard for anybody to break out of that mindset and break out of that subjective experience, which is why it's just really helpful to have a objective view from someone outside your organization to take a look at everything and sort of pull out the most important pieces for the target audience. That can be really hard to do when you're in the weeds of creating a product or pulling teams together and organizing um, you know, different departments. Yeah, just like the whole idea of being more buyer centric in your processes would require you to do the kind of that deep research and what are the problems and challenges that we're trying to solve for. And I know we do that kind of in a more first person narrative um, when we are building out our buyer matrix for clients, but that effectively sets the tone, right? For like all web development, all you know, UX approach um, and messaging that of course ties into that. Sure. Yeah. The buyer matrix is kind of the cornerstone. We have to, we have to dig in and get an idea of what the buyers are looking for, where they're coming from, what their problems are, so that we can not only speak to that, but we can kind of guide them towards solutions that will actually help instead right. of just, you know, sometimes you get caught up in wanting to flaunt the features of a product because you're very proud that you created those features and they might be really helpful. But if you don't frame them in a pragmatic sense, then you're not going to get people to understand the value that they have for them. Yeah. And I've even noticed in conferences that our team or even our advisory board team has attended, like, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now that like no one really cares about point solutions right now, right? Like people are very interested in the connected story of what this platform can enable from like an overarching perspective of, you know, healthcare system structuring. So I think it's, you know, this kind of reinforces the, 
the need to do that work early on and not kind of gravitate more towards the featured approach as you're, as you're sharing. Um, yeah. Do you have any good examples of maybe when, when we've kind of been through the buyer matrix process with teams, how, how that structure has been manifested or, um, potentially reprioritize how they're crafting their messaging from like, even just a site map perspective. Yeah. Um, actually, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. There's like, I mean, I feel like there's probably, it probably happens every time, right? Like where we, we see kind of the manifestation of how we are, um, structuring user experience to not go towards like, oh, here's a series of different tools and, you know, right. I don't know, diversified. It's always, it's always a struggle. I, I think the use case that we often see is clients that really want to champion all of their point solutions in the top navigation of a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might be trying to guide them to more of a conceptual a set of buckets, you know, problems that need solving as opposed to, like you say, point solutions and features that they really want to call out that they're very proud of, that they've worked a long time for. But if you take a step back from that product engineer mindset, you know, the objective path towards getting buyers to understand their solution is to resonate with the buyer's problem in the first place. Yeah, very well said. What about, I want to talk a little bit about like in this process of operating, as you're mentioning, and more of that agile framework, how do we consider design for diverse populations when marketing health tech solutions? I mean, we have, we have several, you know, companies that we've worked with that are very focused on population health. Um, That's certainly something top of mind for a lot of the CIOs that we've even had on the healthcare market matrix show. But I do think that design certainly can enable inclusivity. Um, and I've certainly seen us in various projects that we've taken on take, take that approach to not only the messaging of the story of, of what this tech solution is solving for, but also just in the actual conceptual design process. So any, any thoughts or, or comments on that? Sure. I mean, it kind of starts from the top and it, and it goes all the way down to the roots Everything from the structure of the site and the layout of the sections on the page can kind of support that um, that multifaceted approach that different people will be coming here with different expectations, different needs. And the sooner we can give them some taste of what they're looking for and, and send them in the right direction, the better positioned our clients will be to actually you know, serve up their solution to the people that need it. And then it goes down to the smaller things like selecting imagery and layouts to make sure that we are representing kind of the variety of people that might be interacting with that website or that brand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know we kind of touched a little bit on that in the Applied Theory series with uh, Bennett, just the whole notion of like not um, gravitating towards kind of like your traditional photography that you see and in the health care realm. Like it, it doesn't have to be that way. Like it can be the, the story can actually be more rich if it's simplified in some capacities or, um, more conceptualized versus like quite literal photography of, you know, a hospital room. Um, so I know that's something that you're heavily involved with as well. And that we've, we've seen you champion. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have, uh, 
sometimes we need to advocate with our clients that we want to take a more conceptual approach. We want to we want to be illustrating a feeling more than a concrete uh, concept because some of the concepts that we work with are really hard to visualize. Or if you visualize them, you kind of get into the trite imagery that's been played over and over, you know, especially in the healthcare space. So finding yeah. ways to break out of that box and to show something in a more exciting light is one of the big challenges that we work with every day. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, to wrap things up a little bit, um, I know you and the team leverage obviously a variety of tools and resources to formulate creative strategy for our clients. Um, any worth noting to, to teams in the midst of considering their design strategy or things that you're favoring these days? I know there's so many AI solutions out there that we leverage, but... Certainly, yeah. We've got our tried and true tools such as WordPress, which we use to build all of our websites. I mean, it's such a flexible platform that you can really put a lot of planning into how you want to structure the data on the site to support an ongoing effort, to support new content being added, um, new content being featured in different places on the site. Um, we, we have been incorporating some AI tools to give us a boost uh, to cut down on the kind of redundant work that isn't providing value from our standpoint as, a, uh, as someone who is bringing our expertise, you know, try to right. cut down on the busy work so we can really provide value where we're doing the work that we do. Yeah. And just being more strategic. Like we are, I would say, more strategic led. Uh, we're a more strategic led organization. So naturally freeing up that time to kind of automate what we can, but also uh, focusing on on more of the strategic approach. That's great. Absolutely. Um, awesome. And then also just like more generically, I guess, any predictions you have on on just like the state of UX and how this might evolve over the coming years. I know that's very broad. You can take it, take it wherever you'd like, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, there's so many angles to it. I mean, there's the, there's the proliferation of new devices and new hardware means for us to interact with information. And we're always playing catch up with uh, the different formats that people are able to consume information. Right. So we stay on top of that. There is certainly the wave of artificial intelligence tools that are coming our way, and we've always got to learn where they provide value and where they might get in the way or where they might lead us down the wrong trail. And we just want to position ourselves to be that human translation layer that takes the meaning, uses the right kind of tools, and provides a pragmatic solution. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, sounds great. I know for any of the tools that we do use, we can drop links uh, in, in the comments below as well as we're sharing this video. Um, but thank you again, Kyle, for joining us on the show. Um, if you like this chat, be sure to rate and subscribe and feel free to add again comments below on ongoing topics we should consider for upcoming shows. We're always eager to hear from you and uh, what your theorizing about as you craft messaging and marketing in the health tech landscape. So, um, and also be sure to check out our monthly newsletter, Insight Squared, where we share recaps of these episodes along with um, our Healthcare Market Matrix podcast hosted by uh, Ratio CEO, John Farkas. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. 
Healthcare Market Matrix is a ratio original podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then jump over to healthcaremarketmatrix.com and subscribe. And we'd really appreciate your support in the form of a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. It does make a difference. Also, while you're there, you can become a part of the Healthcare Market Matrix community and get access to courses and content that's created just for you by signing up for Insights Squared, a monthly newsletter dedicated to bringing you the latest health tech marketing insights right to your inbox. Ratio is an award-winning marketing agency headquartered in the Nashville, Tennessee. We operate at the intersection of brand and growth marketing to equip companies with strategies to create meaningful connections with the healthcare market and ultimately drive growth. Want to know more? Go to goratio.com. That's G-O-R-A-T-I-O.com. And we'll see you at noon central next week for an all new episode from our team at Ratio Studios. Stay healthy.